And now a message from our friends at the Tomes of the Chaos Bard podcast. Our story starts in the land Keleth, where a goblinoid power is rising in the north with contention in its wake. We follow our intrepid heroes who I have called to bring balance to the chaos. Our fearless leader, Roscoe. So you're the leader of this group. Well, that's what they tell me. Our lady with one body and two minds, Lila and Garatha. There are two of us here. They're very distinct personalities, but never, never dull moment, never lonely. That's for sure. Our timid Henley. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Mm. <laughs> Our adventurous Fenrir. And he's going to start making his way, but he wants to be playing a song as he goes. <laughs> and our wise Boudreaux. Once upon a time, they'd be human, and then they turn into a scary animal, and that's why you call them where, because you don't know where the human went. But- Tomes of the Chaos Bard, an actual play D&D podcast with original songs and music. A podcast for all ages. You can find us on any major podcast platform and YouTube. I am Solemn the Chaos Bard. Come, join us as we unroll the scroll to tell the tale. <laughs> Bye! Hello, everybody. You're listening to Crunch Squad. It's a podcast within a podcast wherein we discuss the rules, the mechanics, and the number crunching behind this wonderful game of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host for Crunch Squad, and today I'm joined by... Mickey, and I play the warlock barbarian, Malamara. Yes, and it is of barbarians we are going to be speaking today. This is the long-awaited, much-anticipated, you know, people (laughs) have been up in our DMs like crazy asking for this episode, the follow-up to our barbarian Crunch Squad episode, where we're going to talk about Malamara's subclass. Mm -hmm. So, Malamara, what is your subclass? So as a barbarian, at level three, you get to choose a primal path. And the primal path that I took was the path of the totem warrior, which actually had a lot to do with my development of Malamara's backstory and where she came from. And from the moment I like conceptually started creating this character, even though she started off as a warlock, I actually have been looking forward to the path of the totem warrior and that has shaped a lot of how I kind of developed this character. Yeah. And so we'll see that as we start getting into the mechanics of it. And as far as barbarian subclasses go, this is actually a really crunchy one. There's a lot of different op- uh, a lot of different options you can delve into here. And so the whole shtick thematically with the totem warrior is you're able to attune yourself to these totemic animal spirits that give you different abilities uh, at different levels as, uh, as you go throughout the class. So you will see these animals repeated across the different levels of the features that you get, the bear, the eagle, and the wolf. And typically you choose one of those when you gain that new level. But Malamara has a pretty cool ability that makes this even more versatile. Could you tell us about that a little bit? Yes. So while I was researching Path of the Totem Warrior, a normal barbarian taking the Path of the Totem Warrior, at level three you gain what's called a Totem Spirit. And that Totem Spirit gives you an ability. 
And if you look into the different animals, it will tell you what those different abilities are. Then as you gain level six, you become an aspect of the beast and you're able to take another like animal feature. And as I was kind of looking around at the pros and cons of a totem warrior, one of the specific things that they talked about was one of the drawbacks of the totem warrior is that you only get to choose one animal. Uh, level three, you can choose the bear, and when you're raging, you have resistance to all damage except for psychic damage, which is awesome. But as I mm -hmm. looked at it, I was like, but the eagle also gets this kind of stuff, and the wolf has cool stuff too, and I found elk and tiger things, and I was like, ugh, that's so hard to like choose one and to stick with it. And so looking into things, I found a post on D&D Beyond that was, what was the word that you called it, Ned? You could technically maybe call it third party, but it's probably about as close to being official as you can get without being 100% official. Because this post is a Barbarian 101 Path of the Totem Warrior kind of uh, walkthrough written by James Hake, who at the time was an on-house staff writer for D&D Beyond. So it was written by somebody who was part of the company. So hence why I say about as close to being official as you can get without being official this awesome feat called animistic pantheon when you enter a rage you can decide which animal spirit grants you a benefit while you are raging you can change the benefit of either your totem spirit or your attunement which happens at level six to a different animal but you can't change the animals from both features at the same time additionally you can change which animal spirit which animal spirit grants you a magical benefit from your aspect of the beast which Again, happens at level six when you finish a long rest. So I took this feat, which is incredible, and I brought it to Thomas and I said, hi, I would love to use this feat. However, I don't want it to feel too OP or too unfair, I guess, in a way. And so he and I together kind of decided that between level three and level six, while I only have the spirit, I can choose a different totem spirit to attuned to when I enter a rage, just like the feat says. But the aspect of the beast, which happens at level six, which is kind of a longer and more lasting ability, he said, what if when you get to level six, every morning you decide what that animal aspect is going to be? We'll go back and talk about the aspect of the beast. But it's similar to what we talked about with Lance, that Lance gains a proficiency in something that he chooses at dawn, I'll give you this feat, but what if we put some of these limits on it that your aspect is decided at dawn that helps you throughout the day, but you can't just change it at a whim. And I've really loved that freedom to choose what I felt was necessary and needed in the moment while she was raging. It feels like almost being a support character, but you're like mm -hmm. the support battle character. <laughs> you're like, what can support me right now? This. Yeah, because, and we will see that there are abilities here that are very good for your friends as well while mm -hmm. you're in the middle of combat. But I guess just to comment on the power of feats here, this is something that, yes, it is very powerful, but you are giving up two ability score increases to get that ability. Or potentially, like, you could have taken the lucky feat. You're giving up the opportunity to re-roll any die roll three times a day. Mm -hmm. So... In context of some of the other stuff that you could have gotten, I personally don't think it's maybe all that OP, but I also have a reputation for being maybe an overly generous DM. So <laughs> to each their own. I thought Thomas was being very generous in allowing me to do, especially because it isn't 
like we just said it's not technically it's it's a little homebrew a little third party a little bit on the on the fringe and so he was very generous in allowing me to be able to take this and for almost rp reasons that we we've started to get into that she has this ability to change these different aspects mm-hmm but now getting into the nitty-gritty, and there is quite a lot of nitty-gritty because we've got multiple different animals to look at for the different features here. Uh, but before we get even to the specific animals, we have a feature at third level called Spirit Seeker. So at third level, you gain the ability to cast the Beast Sense and speak with animal spells, but only as rituals. Which one of my invocations as a warlock was Beast Sense anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doubling up all over the place. I have a lot of synergy with my classes. <laughs> yeah, and we have seen Malamara use this ability to eavesdrop on a conversation between some axe beaks in a carnival. Sure did. And I believe that she even talked to Fleeple in his axe beak form at one point. Wasn't it in That's the right. greenest keep we that. had a whole conversation? I've forgotten about it too. I haven't used it very often. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea here being that, you know, you don't need spell slots, but it does take you 10 minutes every time you want to cast one of them. Yes. But then, moving into the totem spirit, this is the foundation of kind of this branching paths that we get with the totem warrior. Where in the book here, they have three different animals you can choose from, the bear, the eagle, and the wolf. And I believe, is it in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide where you find the elk and the tiger? Uh, I've been using the information off of a wiki dot, a D&D 5e wiki dot. Um, so I assume that it's something like that, but I ran it past Thomas and he said it was fine. So we're going to go with yes. <laughs> That's a good DM right there. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, like so, I yes, said, there's... So yes, the additional there's... animals that I also have on my list, in addition to bear, eagle, and wolf, are also the spirit of the elk and the spirit of the tiger. Yeah. So let's look through these different options. And we've already mentioned the ability that you get for the Spirit of the Bear at third level. You have resistance to all damage except psychic damage. Which is Holy incredible. Cow. Yeah, I know most of the people who I'm aware of who choose the Path of the Totem Warrior instantly choose the Bear starting right. at level one just because of that ability. It's hard to give up. It's definitely hard to give up. Mm-hmm. But when you take Animistic Pantheon, then you don't need you to change it all over the much. place. <laughs> yeah, but you mentioned, you know, the eagle ability is really cool as well. And we've seen Malamara use this eagle ability, I believe, in mm -hmm. some of our combat. In uh, the one where we were falling off of a cliff, I believe. That's, I took the bear because that was um, the fall damage. Oh, uh, yeah. For the fall. We, we've done so many episodes, they all blur together. <laughs> the eagle I have used several times. Well, I've talked about this on the podcast before that initially when I was creating Malamara, I had this idea of a Mongolian eagle hunter. And so the, mm -hmm. the totem spirit of the eagle was actually the path I was going to take, which is really hard to give up the bear. The eagle is awesome too, but like, it's hard to give up the bear. And so uh, I actually kind of default to the eagle unless I need to specifically use one of the other totems because of this callback to these Mongolian eagle hunters that I initially based her on. Interesting. There's a, there's character building, everybody. Look at that. Mm -hmm. There's a reason behind it. Yeah. 
Now the Eagle at level three, while you're raging and you aren't wearing heavy armor, other creatures have disadvantage on opportunity attacks against you and you can use the dash action as a bonus action on your turn. Mm -hmm. I like the imagery that it gives. The spirit of the Eagle makes you into a predator who can weave through the fray with ease. And that's what really drew me mm -hmm. to that idea of wanting to be in the fray, but also be able to move through the fray allowing Lance to be at a distance if he needed and and uh, backing up Fleeple while we're in that the melee. Mm -hmm. Having a bonus action dash is something that we see in the Rogue and the Monk, and also really cool to see it here in the Barbarian as well, if you mm -hmm. choose this option. Yep. Then, moving on to the aspect of the Wolf, while you're raging, your friends have advantage on melee attack rolls against any creature within five feet of you that is hostile to you. So here's where we get into those abilities that actually are really good support abilities for your other party members. It's not just who you're engaged with and who's on the other side. It's just anybody within a fray and Malamara tends to be right in the middle of a fray. And that that advantage role gives Lance the sneak attack that he needs. So even if you're not engaged with it, he can use the sneak attack, which I think is incredibly powerful. And I love having that synergy within the group. I don't feel like we necessarily made characters to synergize that way, but it's really cool to see when they do fall into those, those synergistic abilities. Yeah, I remember the first time that I saw somebody choose to do the aspect of the wolf as a totem warrior, I was like, oh, you're doing my heart good. You're not just thinking about yourself, you're thinking about the whole crew. The support. The other two animals on the wiki dot are the elk. When you are raging and you aren't wearing heavy armor, your walking speed is increased by 15 feet which is insane on top of the already 40 feet that you get with your increased walking speed. And so you can be a speedy little speedy little barbarian if you need to be. And the other wiki dot is the tiger. So while raging, you can add 10 feet to your long jump distance and three feet to your high jump. And I just used the tiger when we were escaping from the bloody bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jumping is, it can be a little bit tricky at times in 5e. Yeah. Caleb, actually, who has been a guest on this podcast, he has a character in one of my home games that is literally just Tigger turned into a D&D &D character. And <laughs> so from the does. very beginning... Of course he does. <laughs> of course he does. From the very beginning, we decided that we needed to figure out how to make him jump as far as humanly possible, except he's not a human, he is a Leonin because he's Tigger. Yeah, jumping is, it can be weird sometimes, but in the moments when you need to jump far, it's so handy to have. Yes. Then moving on to level six, this is where we get our aspect of the beast. Mm -hmm. So once again, we have five different options we're going to go through here. Starting with the bear, your carrying capacity, including your maximum load and maximum lift is doubled and you have advantage on strength checks made to push, lift, pull, or break objects. So this is much more of a utility outside of combat sort of yes. ability. The, the difference being the spirit totem happens when you rage and you're only able to gain those abilities while you're raging. The aspect of the beast, on the other hand, you choose and is long lasting, which is why mm. when I took animistic pantheon, it didn't feel it didn't it, it felt too overpowered to say I could just change the aspect of the beast whenever I rage. And so we wanted to make mm -hmm. that much more like lances that you choose something at dawn or like fleeple spells that you choose at dawn and carries through the day, but you still have the versatility to choose something else if you'd like. 
Yeah, these being passive abilities rather than active abilities. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the eagle then, you can see up to one mile away with no difficulty, able to discern even fine details as though looking at something no more than 100 feet away from you. Additionally, dim light doesn't impose disadvantage on your perception checks. I'm really excited for this aspect and I want to choose it all of the time. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really looking forward to having the aspect of the eagle. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head if I've ever looked at something one mile away and tried to discern what it is. Right. Man, it's it's ridiculous. The things that you can do in Dungeons & Dragons. Then looking at the wolf, you can track other creatures while traveling at a fast pace, and you can move stealthily while traveling at a normal pace. Mm -hmm. So traditionally, like if you're trying to move stealthily, you have to move at half speed or else people are going to hear you. Uh, now, you don't have to worry about that. Off the wiki dot, the tiger, you gain proficiency in two skills from the following list, ath athletics, acrobatics, stealth, or survival, which barbarians already have proficiency in. I think they give you a list of skills that you can choose from, which one of them is survival. So I think the tiger is very helpful if you need something that day or you know you're going to be needing something to take that proficiency. Again, much like Lance. Um, and the elk is another one that is very much for the group. The aspect of the elk is whether you're mounted or on foot, your travel pace is doubled, as is the travel pace of up to 10 companions while they're within 60 feet of you and not incapacitated. Yeah, this would have been real nice when we were moving back and forth between the caldera. Wouldn't it have been? Mm -hmm. Instead of getting lost and trying to take three days to get there? Yeah, and trying to chase those kobolds before they managed to make it back to the camp. Yes. We got them in the end. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. One other little thing that I'm noticing here with the tiger as well is that uh, as a barbarian, you can already choose athletics or survival, but the additional options of acrobatics and stealth, those both being dexterity-based skills, uh, we see some of that extra dexterity coming from that tiger spirit into the barbarian, which is nice. Yes. Then, at 10th level, uh, this doesn't have individual animals we're looking at. This is more of just a broad reaching ability. We get Spirit Walker. At 10th level, you can cast the Commune with Nature spell, but only as a ritual, like we already talked about. And when you do so, a spiritual version of one of the animals you chose for Totem Spirit or Aspect of the Beast appears to you to convey the information you seek. I think that one has a lot of RP and story-based potential to it. Yeah, this is a very interesting divination spell in that traditionally you're looking at, um, you know, maybe a divination wizard or like a cleric. I think there are some druids who can get divination spells as well. You're casting something like commune or augury. But I love the flavor here of being able to just like reach out into the earth itself and seek answers to your problems. Mm-hmm. Then at 14th level, when we get into our final round of all of the different beasts to choose from, we get our totemic attunement. So starting with the bear, these are once again abilities that you get while you're raging. With the bear while you're raging, any creature within five feet of you that is hostile to you has disadvantage on attack rolls against targets other than you or another character with this feature. An enemy is immune to this effect if they can't see or hear you or if it can't be frightened. I think that one also works very synergistically with other people i like mm -hmm. i like the feats and the the subclasses and things the sentinel kind of things that i'm gonna take the punishment and give advantage or not not necessarily rolling advantage but a tactical advantage to your 
companions. Yeah, and this ties in very well with our third level bear feature, that you already take half damage from everything except psychic damage, and now you are commanding everybody else on the field to attack you instead of anybody else, the person who can soak up all of that damage really well. So very good synergy there. Looking at the eagle, while you're raging, you have a flying speed equal to your current walking speed. This benefit only works in short bursts. You fall if you end your turn in the air and nothing else is holding you aloft. You fly! Yeah, which as we've already seen with Fleeple is a pretty strong ability. Yes, it is. <laughs> the caveat that you have to be on the ground at the end of your turn is maybe a little bit, you know, it, it is what it is. But still, the fact that you can get from place to place without needing to, like, if there's difficult terrain, if there mm -hmm. are a lot of nasty enemies on the ground, being able to just fly over their heads, super nice. Then looking at the wolf... While you're raging, you can use a bonus action on your turn to knock a large or smaller creature prone when you hit it with a melee weapon attack. Mm -hmm. uh, from the wiki dot, the elk, while raging, you can use a bonus action during your move to pass through the space of a large or smaller creature. That creature must succeed on a saving throw, DC 8 plus your strength plus your proficiency, or be knocked prone and take bludgeoning damage equal to your 1d12 plus your strength modifier. So you just run over mm -hmm. them with your elk. Yeah, and these abilities where we're knocking people prone, these are also very good tactical support options for your friends. Mm -hmm. You attack this guy, you knock him over, and then all melee attacks against them have advantage until they manage to stand back up. Mm -hmm. And standing back up takes half their movement, so it impedes their movement a little bit. Yeah. And finally, the tiger from the wiki dot is while you're raging, you move at least 20 feet in a straight line toward a large or smaller target right before making a melee weapon attack. You can use a bonus action to make an additional melee weapon attack against it, mm -hmm. which is incredibly powerful. Yeah, we've already got our extra attack at this point. So mm -hmm. that's already two automatic attacks and the option to have a third attack. You charge and hit him three times. Yeah. So... That is all of the options for the Totem Warrior, and man, there's there's a lot of them. There's a whole, whole lot of them. You know, we talked during the Barbarian episode about how it's easy to overlook the Barbarian because it's just such a simple class. And like, sure, if you take the path of the Berserker, you know, it's designed to be a very simple class. One that's just like, hey, I know that I can hit people and the hits that I make will be even stronger. But this, uh, it feels to me kind of a similar role as like the Battlemaster Fighter, for example, where sure you have these subclasses that are very simple, but some people just want the crunch. Some people just want those extra abilities. And the Totem Warrior Barbarian, especially with Animistic Pantheon, really gives you an opportunity to think critically about why you're choosing these abilities and to select the right abilities for the right situation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really enjoy about it. I've really liked being able to rage and choose the animal that feels appropriate. Because like we said, it, it's hard to be like, I'm going to take the eagle, but the wolf or the bear or the, the I wish at, at this moment, I wish I could jump farther. It's hard to like give up something or to look at it in the book and go, oh, I could be doing that instead. Whereas mm -hmm. if we're only fighting one enemy, the wolf may not be the right choice. It might be better to do the bear and soak up the, the damage or if we're in a crowded room, an eagle might be better so that you can get in between them without the attacks of opportunity or the wolf to get the sneak attack on some of the other, the enemies. 
And so I, I really love that the Pantheon feat allows for that variability to the quote-unquote, you know, base class or the, the easy class or um, simple class or whatever you want to tag on to the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are a lot of fun classes for the Barbarian. Another one that just springs to mind off the top of my head is the Wild Magic Barbarian. Mm. That when you enter your rage, some random crazy magical effect happens. Yeah. So there's a lot of good thematics with the Barbarian, and in many of the subclasses, more mechanical complexity than you might think at first. Mm -hmm. So with that, we have discussed the breadth of the Totem Warrior Barbarian, uh, any other final comments about this for all of our wonderful listeners out there in podcast world? I think that, like I said, going into this character, I found a lot of Reddit posts about the negative downside to the totem warrior of the barbarian. Like most people are like, if you're going to be a barbarian, you should be a berserker. If you're not going to be a berserker, you should be a bear totem. There's a lot of, at least what I was reading, a lot of kind of kickback of there's no point in being any of these other things if you're going to be a barbarian. But I, I think that, again, with multi-class, there's a lot of cool things that you could do. I think the path of the totem warrior could work very synergistically with a background as as a hermit or as an outlander, which is what Malamara is. I think that uh, a bard totem warrior might be really interesting, or not a bard totem warrior, a uh, druid totem warrior might be really interesting. Their connection to the, the earth I, I really enjoy looking at, playing, and seeing characters that are motivated by more than just the crunch aspect of it. Because I am a crunchy player. I am all about how do I work synergistically? How do I get the most damage? How do I like have all the things written out and have all the numbers and how do I do it the best? I don't necessarily min-max, but I like to say, this is what I have. How can I make the most of what, what this is? But in addition to that, I think that story-driven choices are always more interesting. They're always more fun. They're more fun to play and figure out why am I choosing this thing? Why am I going to do that? And we hope as a podcast that people are entertained by what we're doing and our storytelling makes more sense. And so sometimes I like giving that weakness or the quote-unquote disadvantage to your character to have a story-based thing. And so... Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes looking at what's on the internet and looking at what other people are saying about it and making a choice that feels right for your character, even if it's not the quote-unquote the best or right choice. Um, sometimes you'll come across something like Animistic Pantheon and you're like, hey, I can have butts of both worlds. I can have a story-driven character and I can still take the bear when I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And eventually maybe fly. You don't know. Who knows? Flying is pretty great. I can highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't dig too deep into this rant. I feel like this is maybe not the appropriate place for the entire rant, but I'll just say ignore the Reddit posts sometimes. Yeah. Just do whatever you think is going to be fun for your character. Yeah. Like any sort of poll you see about which druid subclass is the best is going to say, be a moon druid. You want to have those really powerful wild shapes. But Moon Druid, that's just not who Fleeple is. Fleeple isn't the guy who's turning into crazy powerful monsters. Fleeple's the guy who is healing his friends and casting heroism and stuff. So, yeah, sometimes don't listen to what people on Reddit have to say. Just listen to your heart. That's right. Do what's true to the character. And sometimes by doing what's true to your character, 
You'll find more interesting choices. You'll find more fun things to do. You'll find something you didn't expect. I certainly didn't expect to love playing a warlock barbarian as much as I do and feel the conflict of now I'm kind of like, okay, should I start like taking some more in warlock or should I just like go full barbarian? Because I'm enjoying both classes a lot more than I thought that I was going to. I thought I was going to take a couple in warlock a little bit just to get the the patron storyline going because that's a huge part and an underlying part of the campaign and a huge part to her backstory and then just go full barbarian but there's some other stuff that i kind of want to do with warlocks and so yeah i i think the the reddits are great for ideas and for if you're a min maxer they have all of the things out there but ultimately D D we're storytellers we're playing we're playing these characters and we're trying to have a fun time and do what's fun even if it doesn't seem like the most powerful thing or the best thing or the right thing to do, do what's going to be fun. Because what's the point in playing a game if you're not going to have fun with it? Yeah. And I mean, we killed Resmir and Rathmoda yeah, with suboptimal did. characters. Yeah, so. we did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that moonbeam with the toll the dead and the bells. Yeah. It's one of my favorite uh, like, thematic moments of our campaign. Yeah, we actually just got somebody tweeted at us about that specific episode. Uh, I believe the wording they used was DMing that session was a legendary action. Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Crunch Squad. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed just talking about all kinds of crazy animals. from wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps boost our ratings throughout each podcast service. It puts our shows in other people's recommended feeds, and it lets us know that you like what we're doing and fills our hearts with warm fuzzies. If you want to write something maybe a little longer than a review, you could also email us at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. Maybe you have a Crunch Squad topic that you'd like us to talk about, like uh, The Monk was a suggestion from an audience listener. Uh, We've also had requests to do The Ranger and The Artificer, which I think are going to be really fun episodes. So you got suggestions? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you, and we're hoping to get the word out there and set this podcast on fire. Now, to get the most recent up-to-date content from all of us here, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook with the handle iCastFireball20. There you can get possible sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, interesting insight from the players in DM, and behind-the-scenes shots of us making this incredibly fun world. Now, it's time for that shout-out for Improv Tabletop, our sister podcast, that wacky thing that I'm in charge of. We do a few different things. We do Fate Accelerated, all of those completely improvised. Maybe we'll mash up uh, the Great British Baking Show with Jurassic Park. Maybe we'll mash up Mistborn with Redwall. Who knows? Uh, We also do lots of Avatar The Last Airbender stuff. We have one completed Avatar The Last Airbender campaign using Avatar Legends. And we're currently doing an Avatar The Last Airbender campaign using Blades in the Dark, which is lots of fun. So, whether you like tabletop games, improvisation, or just hearing more from me, then we recommend you go give Improv Tabletop a listen. Lastly, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I am Ned, your host for Crunch Squad. And around the table, we have... I'm Mickey, and I play the warlock barbarian, Malamara. It's a pretty small table today, but that's okay. Keep the fire going, everybody, and we'll see you next time.